Craniacs, or should I say hello Seattle? God, this is why Ryan is the one who usually starts the episodes. Um, it is your favorite podcast co-host, uh, Laurel, coming at you not to talk about Frasier, but to talk a little bit about the Academy Awards, aka the Oscars, which took place on Sunday night. And if you have listened to the last few episodes or been a longtime listener, you're aware that um, I'm a pretty big Oscars buff. Um, one of the items on my bucket list is to watch every Best Picture winner. I am really slacking on that right now. Um, I had a time where I was really good at it and I was like, well, let me just say Blockbuster Video was still in business to give you an idea as to how long ago that was. But uh, I was really knocking out Best Pictures winners like left and right lots from the 70s like definitely one flew over the cuckoo's nest kramer versus kramer once i kind of heard about but had never seen um and then one year when i had dvr back when i had cable i just went ham on turner classic movies 31 days of oscar and gosh i feel like it took up so much space in my dvr and my roommate jessica who you've heard on the pod um I feel like we watched a few movies and then we just had to, we had to just delete them. So anyway, all that to say, the Oscars have been an important part of my life for a long time. And I'm sure you're like, Laurel, how long has this been the case? Um, since I was a child, much like my love of Frasier, <laughs> um, my mom um, is a really big Oscars person. Um, she used to teach high school English and would... Um, pass out kind of Oscar ballots to her students the weekend before the Oscars or the, the week before the Oscars. The Oscars used to be on a Monday, so maybe she passed it out that Monday. Um, and for everyone you got right, you could add it as like an extra point on like your next test or something. Um, so I come by it honestly. I distinctly remember my parents having an Oscar party when I was a child and them setting a second TV up in our living room. Because obviously this was like the early 90s. And so the TV we had was not huge. Um, it was a decent size, but it was probably not huge. And so they set up a second TV. So no matter where you were in the room, you had a good view. So yeah, Oscars, big fan. But um, you didn't come here to hear my Oscar history. You came here for the hot takes uh, about the Oscars. And for those of you who didn't see, uh, and I know that it wasn't visible to everybody because of my privacy settings, but I made some predictions on Facebook on Sunday for how I thought the categories, the categories I felt strongly about. And that means not only a, the categories I care about, but also the categories that I felt like I had a very good idea as to who was going to win um, or what was going to win. So, um, not to pat myself on the back, but I was pretty accurate, um, in terms of the ones that I guessed on. I think my major misses were best score and best animated feature. Um, uh, sorry, best animated short, not animated feature. Um, I think I'm going to do this from now on where I say the who will win or what will win. And then, do, but don't be surprised if this person wins, because that really helps me cover some bases, <laughs> um, which uh, just made me seem all the more prescient in terms of my Oscar ballot. But um, I have always been the Oscar buff amongst my friends. Um, that is not a flex. It is a, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Um, because people want your thoughts during the show. They want your thoughts after the show. People want to know the week before what movies they need to see. And they want to know specifically your take so they can make sure they're seeing the movies that are likely to win. Um, 
I used to host an Oscar party when I lived in, uh, it really, it really hit its apex when I lived in DC. I hosted a party that had themed food, um, usually themed to the, um, uh, to the nominees. For example, I remember the year The Revenant was nominated. I had Teddy Grahams because I think like Leonardo DiCaprio had to, I don't know, put him, they had to like, cut open a bear and put him inside it to keep him from dying. I don't know. This is all sounding a little midsummer, but, um, I remember that I like remember the year that Matthew McConaughey won for Dallas Buyers Club. I had McConaughey mac and cheese bites. I just, yeah, I would do themed food. Um, I would have, uh, trivia, um, at the top of every hour and give out prizes. I obviously did an Oscar ballot contest. I also had Oscar bingo, which I cannot take credit for. I got it from a website called how about orange. Um, so all this to say, like to know me is to know my love of the Oscars. It is my Super Bowl Sunday, but dare I say it takes over more of my life than Super Bowl Sunday. Cause I literally spend weeks preparing for it by watching movies and like listening to podcasts about, you know, projections and odds and what different people who work in the industry are hearing on the ground. And anyway, one thing that I really miss, um, maybe they still do it. I know they don't have a print product anymore, but Entertainment Weekly used to post um, anonymous ballots from like one actor and one producer and one director or whatever. And then we have a little bit um, kind of like a blind item, they would kind of say, give you a little bit of context as to who the person was like, this person has won an Oscar, um, but now considers himself quasi retired and hasn't, you know, hasn't worked on a movie in 10 years or whatever, or this movie, this actor has been nominated several times, um, but um, hasn't quite clinched the statuette. And, um, you know, so they give you a little bit of context. So it wasn't just all like brand new people in the industry. I really loved um, reading those. But anyway, um, it is just me today talking about the Oscars. And I uh, got a lot done at work today as then I took some notes um, about just some like highs and lows that I wanted to talk about. And don't worry, we are going to talk about the thing you all came here to hear about. Um, but we may not talk about it in the way that you expect. Um, so I just want to talk about a few of the things that uh, just s- stood out to me. Um, and I'm also going to say one of the things that didn't stand out to me. And we'll start there. That is the three hosts. And it could be because something occurred two thirds of the way through the show that you could easily just forget we even had hosts if that happened. Uh I think being an Oscar host is a thankless job. I think we have seen some of the uh, best entertainers. It might be how we describe it. Like I think Jimmy Kimmel is a great entertainer. Um, Complete, not fail, but just not hit it out of the park. And I don't know. Some people are like, we just need to get Billy Crystal back in there with his montages or we need to have Whoopi Goldberg back. And guys, they were like last really successful in the aughts and the 90s. And I just don't know if their type of comedy and entertaining is really going to hit with the audience now. I mean, not to mention the fact that the audience has just dropped dramatically over the last 10 years. I believe they said maybe 15 million people watched on Sunday, which is an increase over last year when there were 12 million. I'm not surprised there was an increase last year. Nobody had seen movies. There weren't a lot of really exciting movies nominated. Um, now I can't remember anything that was nominated last year, but I do know that Nomadland won. That's not exactly a like 
I'm not saying it's a bad movie by any means, but it's not a movie that uh, people were just clamoring to go see and was really out in the zeitgeist and everyone was talking about it. So um, all that to say, the hosts. Love seeing three female hosts. Love the idea of more than one host. Do I think they did a bad job? No. Do I think they did a great job? Uh, I don't remember a whole lot about... Nothing stuck with me from their hosting. Um, I did enjoy Regina Hall's COVID test bit, even though I initially tweeted that I was not here for a COVID test bit, but then they made a joke about Will and Jada's marriage. And I said, well, I am here for an open marriage joke. I don't know. I thought that was funny. I thought it went on too long. That's the thing about the Oscars. Sometimes they don't know how to get out of their own way. Um, okay. Hosts done. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just some of the monumental wins that we had on Sunday night. And I'm sure that there are more monumental wins than that I'm going to miss here. But I just I'm going to start with Troy Kotzer from CODA winning. Um, no, he is not the first deaf person to win an Oscar. That is Marley Matlin in the early in the mid 80s. She won for Children of a Lesser God. She won Best Actress. And funny enough, the person who presented the Oscar to her was William Hurt, who was her co-star in Children of a Lesser God. And I believe had won the year before for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Um, someone can fact check me on that. Um, and they had had a very torrid relationship while filming Children of a Lesser God. And I think he had been quite the uh, cad, maybe is the right word, or uh, I'm not going to say abusive because I truly don't know, but I think it was just known as a very tumultuous affair. Um, so anyway, all that to say, Marley Matlin, first deaf actor to win an Oscar, and she is in CODA. So Troy Kotzer is the first um, male actor to win an Oscar, and I've not seen CODA. I don't have Apple TV. If Apple TV wants to sponsor this podcast, I will happily watch whatever they want me to and talk about it at length. But the um, just everything about his win was perfect from the presenter who's, oh my goodness, and I don't remember her name. She is from Minari. Um, and just apologies right up front that I don't remember her name, but her signing his name, him um, just the, the, the speech that he gave, which was beautiful. And his interpreter, um, who was doing the, the voiceover for it, getting choked up as he was, uh, as he was interpreting and translating. It was so much. It was just, I don't know. I had all the feels. Also, I feel like we rarely get really expressive winners. I think a lot of people are in shock. I think a lot of people kind of go into a little bit of like autopilot, especially if they've written a, a speech and they just read from that. Um, so just, he was so animated. It was wonderful. I, I loved the presenter standing right next to him, holding his Oscar. She had the, the, the foresight to hold the Oscar while, so he could sign it. I just, I, and everybody standing up and doing the ASL clap of waving their hands was so beautiful. I was just, I loved it. Um, it's times like that when I'm just like, oh, the Oscars, you can do some things right. Um, I also want to talk about Ariana DeBose winning. Um, I think her win was very important. She is a woman of color. She's openly queer. I think that representation matters. I certainly have no shortage of representation of people who um, are similar to me. And I think that everybody should have the opportunity to look up to somebody who they see themselves in. Um, and I'm just, I'm very pleased with that. And I'm pleased that she's not shying away from the moment. I feel I do feel like there's a lot of pressure on people when they are the first um, amongst a kind of minority or a lesser represented group to 
really kind of be the standard bearer. I know not everybody is cut out for that. Not everybody wants that. But I think that when there are people who can really represent that, um, I think it's everybody benefits. Um, other monumental wins. Um, Jane Campion won her first directing Oscar. And uh, that means two years in a row we've had a female director win. And only the third ever female director to win. Like, guys... Like, I don't know how to tell you this, 15 years ago, no lady had ever won that Oscar. And now we have Catherine Bigelow for Hurt Locker. We have Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. And now we have Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. And I mean, just like what a time to be alive. Am I right? Uh, I also, I didn't realize Coda also had a female director. So I think, I think I heard that. I read that somewhere i don't think they were nominated this is where it gets a little tricky when you have as many as 10 best picture nominees but you don't increase the director pool to more than five um you can tip your hand a little bit as to the movies that you think are going to win but i don't think the coda director was nominated y'all can fact check me on that um and that's that's tough that's that's tough but obviously it didn't matter in this case so um other monumental wins people are gonna laugh um, when i say this but kenneth branagh has an Oscar. I mean, obviously not having an Oscar has not hurt his career at all. He is still a very solid, I mean, what a triple threat. He is an actor. He is a director. He is a writer. Um, and just way to go, Kenneth Branagh. I, when the announcer was like, this is his eighth nomination and first Oscar win. I was just like, wow. I mean, Good for him. I think, I hope that is for best, I'm sorry, this is for best original screenplay for Belfast. Um, I, I think that three months ago, Belfast was seen as a front runner. And I feel like as soon as the nominations came out, it was like, oh, that's great. That's great that Belfast was recognized. It's not going to win. Um, so that's just the Oscars. Like you, this is, this is why, this is why I'm into them. It's just like, it's, it's movies, which are so fun and things just change all the time. So anyway, very glad for Kenneth Branagh. Still don't really forgive him for cheating on Emma Thompson with Helena Bottom Carter. But it's okay because Emma Thompson has two Oscars. One for Adapted Screenplay for Writing Sense and Sensibility and one for Best Actress for Howard's End. It's not a competition. Um, they're both obviously thriving. Um, but anyway, just I, 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 was, I was pleased for him. I mean, Gilderoy Lockhart from the Harry Potter movies. Isn't it always great to just see, see him out and about? Um... Also, Questlove, one of the Roots and Jimmy Fallon's, you know, house band, won an Oscar. I was so pleased for him, but at the same time, I was very distracted about something that we're going to talk about. Um, and he was very emotional, and I, 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 I don't know, I, I had a lot of feelings while he was, um, while he was giving his acceptance speech. I think he was also very much impacted by what had just happened and so he his acceptance speech was i think not everything he wanted to say i think he even said at one point like i'm gonna thank more people backstage but anyway um i do have to talk a little bit about the w one of the very distressing things that happened to, in this show not the most but a very distressing thing that happened and that is the uh, it's sacrilegious perhaps performance of we don't talk about Bruno from Encanto, uh, which I think is one of the top two best songs from that movie. I really, I flip flop between that or what else can I do as being uh, the best songs, but also the family Madrigal. I, I don't know. Th three songs I love 
from that movie. Um, but musically, it is the most complicated. It is uh, very much an ensemble piece that just like comes together in such a beautiful like symphony, basically, at the end. Um, and the way the Oscars chose to represent it, which I want to say you don't even have to do this at all. It's not nominated for an Oscar. You're playing it at 9.45 p.m. East Coast time. The children in the room who love this song, not saying adults don't love it because I do, but they've all gone to bed. Um, part of the way through, it became a different song, still to the tune of We Don't Talk About Bruno, but about the Oscars. And I, 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 it was no longer the song that was from Encanto. And I was just like, why didn't you just sing a song fully about the Oscars then? Did they think we were all going to be completely tickled by the fact that they had completely changed this song i think they probably did think that and i was not tickled was i disappointed to see megan the stallion no i was not but i wish she and the other performers had been set up for success a little bit more i admit that i really i still watched it but i was like arms folded perhaps tweeting angrily uh as that song finished out but um I, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm really confused. Um, some other, uh, surprises of the night is, um, speaking of, we don't talk about Bruno is, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda was denied an EGOT and that is disappointing for the second time for him. Um, he lost in 2016 for best original song for Moana's, um, how far I'll go. Uh, if I remember correctly, he lost to La La Land's City of Stars, which if you ask me what songs I sing more in my everyday life or listen to more, City of Stars does not even register on that list. And Moana's How Far I'll Go is at least on the list. Um, I think we can all agree that was perhaps a little bit of a miss by the Academy. That was the year where La La Land was, you know, kind of a juggernaut and one just i'd say some improbable awards as we all know it didn't win best picture even though they got to start to give an acceptance speech um i also really need to remind myself who how they figured it out like because obviously the card that warren Beatty and faye donnaway had that said emma stone la la land is not the card that whoever the jordan guy whose name his last name i don't remember who realized that they did not win that's not the card that he looked at on stage like did they hand him a a second card? I, I know they always have, they have two copies of every card in case, and the, the Pricewaterhouse people take them in different, they take them in different cars, they take different routes to the Oscars, so if something happens to one car, I don't know, it gets hijacked, like, is that a thing? Are they worried about it getting hijacked? Are we really worried that these accountants with the envelopes for the Oscars are going to get hijacked? It's not like, I mean, now in the days of computers, it's like, oh, if the envelopes go missing, it's okay, let's, let's pull up that, let's pull up the Excel spreadsheet, and, uh, yeah, it will, it will, it won't be pretty, but we'll be able to tell you the, the winners. I just, anyway, that all seems like a, a bit much, but I'm sure back in the day when it was actually like, just scribble down on a yellow legal pad, that was more important. But anyway, they do have two copies of all the envelopes. Is that what happened? Did they like, were they like, Hey, here's a keepsake of your, the, the, the second envelope. And he was like, Oh my gosh, great. I'm going to open it up. And then was like, uh Oh, um, still so much credit to that guy for, just like very matter of factly, like taking control of things and going to the mic and be like, excuse me, this is not a joke. There has been a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won, which I think is verbatim what he said. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda still doesn't have the EGOT. 
Um, and I'm sure you're like, Laurel, does he have all the others? Yes, guys. First of all, he has, he won Tony's for In the Heights. The Hamilton Tony's were just like cherries on top of the Sunday. Um, as for Grammys, again, the cast recording of Hamilton has a Grammy. Uh, and I'm sure you're like, Emmy, what Emmys did he win? Y'all, he won an Emmy for the song he wrote for the Tonys in 2013. I'm fairly certain it's 2013, where the song called, I think it's Bigger, um, with what the Neil Patrick Harris performed, which is still a video that I watch perhaps quarterly. You would know it if you saw it. It's that like incredible, like six minute long super in-depth performance that Neil Patrick Harris does about making the Tony's award show bigger. And they bring out like, and bring out people from all the other shows. And like, there's newsies dancing down the aisle and there's cheerleaders from bring it on doing stunts. And there's the kids from Matilda and like the guys from Billy Elliot. And that's where he says like, um, you know, you can bounce a quarter off the ass of Billy Porter. Cause he does eight shows a week in eight inch heels or something. God, just, yeah. So he won an Emmy for writing that. So, very much tracks for what Lin-Manuel Miranda has been um, celebrated for. But anyway, he still hasn't gotten the Oscar. And let's face it, guys, it's not going to be for his acting. So just, I don't know, keep keep up with the Disney, that Disney contract you have, LMM. It's going to happen someday. I just, I don't know. I don't know if people are a little out on him. Not that people dislike him. I think he is probably one of the most likable people. But I wonder if people are a little like, he has enough awards. Um... In some ways, it's probably good that he didn't win on Sunday because his wife had COVID and so he was not going to the Oscars. They had a lovely headshot of him in its place. So hopefully he and his family are on the mend. Hopefully he and his kids didn't get it. Um, the end. So, um, okay, I'm looking at the list that I made. Oh, I do have, okay, I have one more thing to talk about. But before we talk about that, but I'm going to talk about the slap now. Um, because I just want to like invite you all into my apartment Sunday night when that happened and uh also be very vulnerable and share that for a very embarrassing embarrassingly long amount of time I really just had to pause as to how to say that I was convinced it was staged um until well convinced it was staged to a point when the swearing happened which I could 100%, I didn't realize I was very proficient at lip reading. I'm apparently decent at lip reading because um, other people were like, I didn't, I didn't tell, what, what did Will Smith say? And I was like, oh, guys, he said, keep my wife's name out of your effing mouth. I 100% read exactly what that said. Um, and I just, the, the, the Oscars are just known for bits that they try so hard to make it seem like they're not planned, whether it's the selfie that Ellen took when she hosted in 2014 with like Bradley Cooper and Julia Roberts and Brad Pitt and um, like Lupita Nyong'o's brother and Kevin Spacey, he's in the bag. We don't talk about him anymore. Um, and like that was completely planned. And, you know, the, 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 the people going, uh, all of the, actors going across the street to pass out like candy and popcorn to people who are watching a movie across the street. Like all of these, all these things are planned. And so I read a really good slate article just about how we all are now so suspicious of things 
that try too hard to make it seem like they're organic and it ends up um and when you find out that oh this was planned or this was staged you're it, it just further you know it's a confirmation bias it just further validates you for the next time you're doubting something i'll post this late article in the group but it had a good post about or a good example of a weather report i think in new hampshire where a meteorologist is standing in front of a ski lodge giving a weather report about the snow and you see a skier behind them very gingerly making their way down the steps and all of their gear and then they like fall and then all these people are like oh my gosh like this is going viral it turns out it was all fake so all that to say i thought for entirely too long that part of it was at least staged that maybe will smith was supposed to pretend to be mad um i obviously at the time did not know that jada pinkett smith suffers from alopecia um her reaction seemed so strong like the very intense eye roll that i was like ah obviously they knew about this and like every like they you know signed off on this joke or whatever will smith was also laughing at first so i was like okay um like didn't cross my mind until you know will smith strides up to the stage and then when the sound went out again i was watching the streaming on abc i assumed the sound went out on my streaming link um connection and that was, uh, and, and then the video glitched and kind of rewound a little bit. It was odd. Um, some friends and I, some friends that I was live texting, we were all just at the same time said what everybody else did, which is what just happened. And did that just happen? And it wasn't until the swearing happened that I was like, oh, this bit, again, still thinking it's a bit, has gone awry. Um, and so I, 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 disappointed that this happened on so many reasons um on so many reasons on so many levels and for so many reasons um namely that it's now this is incident is overshadowing all the other things that happened on sunday night um it is you know there were a lot of firsts on sunday night there were also just people who won oscars who were not a first in any way in terms of the group that they represent but for them it was their first oscar and just that I, this is the headline and I get it. It's clickbait. It's what everybody wants to hear about. This is what the conversation is about. And there's a reason I've saved this till the end. Cause like, I wanted to talk about the other things first that are the reason I love the Oscars. I also love live TV and I love live award shows because you get to see stuff like this happen, but this is not what you want to see happen. I was not like, I am so grateful you know that i'm watching this live because i wanted to see this like i don't watch the oscars for negative things like when jennifer lawrence fell on the stairs while going up to accept her best actress oscar in i believe 2013 i was not like oh good i'm so glad i saw this live that is how i felt while watching this especially in watching will smith's speech where i was just like i feel like we we're all watching something that is not meant to be broadcast on international television um so I, I find the whole thing unfortunate. I find Chris Rock's joke that kicked this all off um, in poor taste. I find Will's reaction like, you know, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I, you have enough commentary here on this. I don't want to talk about this. I will say I, my, I've been thinking a lot about my, what my initial reaction was and what my kind of like evolved reaction is, um, which is just interesting in my own introspection to think about, but I'm also just, even though it was entirely a situation of his making, I'm also just very sad for Will Smith that 
what should have been, you know, a one of the greatest nights of his life uh, and a celebration of his career is now remember for this. And that anybody who won that night, when they say 10 years, 10, 15 years from now, whatever, it's like, what year did you win your Oscar? And you say 2022. And people say, is that the Will Smith Oscars? Or is that the Oscars where Will Smith punched or slapped Chris Rock? Like that is what it's going to be remembered for. We call the La La Land debacle, the La La Land Oscars. Like we call it that, you know, we call the 1999 Oscars, or maybe it's 2000. It's this story gets confusing. The Academy called these the 2021 Oscars, but they take place in 2022, but they celebrate movies in 2021. I don't agree with this. They didn't ask me. Um, but when Shakespeare in Love won and beat Saving Private Ryan, we call that the Shakespeare in Love Oscars. Like Oscars that have kind of infamous things that happen are just known as that. And it, it, it casts a shadow on all the other winners. And that's, I think that for me, the lasting unfortunate thing about this. So that's kind of my big takeaway from, um, the Oscars. I, uh, obviously will keep watching the Oscars. Um, and who knows, maybe I'll bring back my Oscar parties of your, um, I admit that well, my friend group in Austin is smaller, but also, I did not have a big party this year because I was really expecting some local Austin place to have a big party. Um, two years ago, I saw, I watched the Oscars at Alamo Draft House with my mother and they had a great party. And I just really kind of thought they were going to do that again, but no place did anything. I've heard some whispers that they were licensing issues with ABC. So anyway, all this to say, um, if you want to be my friend in the next year and come to an Oscar party in February or March of um, 2023, well, you know where to find me. Um, one other thing I do want to point out is that something I really disagreed with about the Oscars, the um, shunting of the technical awards and the, what I would consider more minor Oscars uh, to a pre-show, which um, bad move. Um, I admit that I don't know a lot about what goes into making a movie. I don't know a lot about sound or editing or all of that, but I can appreciate how all of these different arts come together to make a movie what it is. Um, and I find it comical that they, the Oscars has always been concerned that they award artsy movies or independent movies that don't have a really big crowd draw, a big box office draw. And so that's why people don't watch. And then they removed awards and put them in the pre-show. And all of those awards went to a movie that made $400 million at the U.S. box office. And that is Dune. It swept the, 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 the technical awards. And I'm just like, well, who's laughing now, Oscars? Like, also, did it really save that much time? We still saw acceptance speeches and everything. I mean, I listened to a podcast yesterday that was like, what, you saved 12 minutes? The show went ran over by like 40 minutes. So you didn't really, it's not like those 12 minutes were make or break. Um, so yeah, I would like the Academy to know that I am happy to join a focus group. I'm happy to be a consultant for them. Um, but my first question for them would be, do you know who your audience actually is? Because I think you're going after an audience that is never going to watch. So maybe you need to just start catering to the audience that watches to keep them there. Anyway. Um, wow. I told Ryan, I thought I had 15 or 20 minutes in me and here we are at 30 minutes. So I'm going to wrap up now. 
Um, but anyway, Craniacs, I would obviously love to hear your takes, hear your thoughts on the winners, to hear if your predictions were right. Um, I, I, I don't know that anybody has anything new to say about the slap, but, um, I do love to hear a moment in time, you know, like, what were you doing? What did you think? It really took for me, my friend, George, shout out George, sending me the, uh, unedited version, uh, the unedited footage from, uh, Japan for me to finally be like, oh my gosh, this was hundred percent not planned. Also, uh, in my different lines of work, I have worked on big events and to be, somebody tweeted something like, I will give a million dollars in Cole's cash, Cole's cash for the transcripts of the walkie talkie chatter after that. And like a hundred percent. Um, would love to hear that. Would love to be part of the crisis meeting, um, at the Academy, uh, yesterday morning, all about it. Also, and this is truly the last thing I'm going to say about this lap is I think page six from the New York post, you know, one of our most esteemed journalistic, uh, institutions said that there is a rumor that the Academy will ask Will Smith to give his Oscar back, uh, due to a breach of code of conduct. And I just have to say Academy, that is a slippery slope because if we're starting to look at winners and breaches of code of conduct, you've got a little guy named Harvey Weinstein right at the top of your list. He's got way more Oscars than Will Smith. We're going to start pulling Oscars back. You got to start with him. We're going to, we're going to have to go with Roman Polanski as well. Like there are like Woody Allen, we're going to have to go with so many people before you get to, well, you just have to go, if, if you start that, that's where you're going to have to, you're going to have to clean house. And, um, I believe it was Ryan, my co-host who said, perhaps it was today on, oh, we were G-chatting or via text talking about if I was going to record this episode, um, that it's like, you're going to have a really small list of people who are even eligible for an Oscar. If you start really upholding a code of conduct. So like either commit to it or don't. I will say, though, I'm going to predict Will Smith is not going to be invited next year to hand out the Best Actress Oscar, as is typical for the person who won Best Actor the year before. So put money on that now. Not too much money. A little bit of money. Maybe like kind of a bunch of that money I have left over from Argentina, which is worth like $1.40 in US dollars, but is like, I don't know, thousands and thousands of Argentinian pesos. So anyway. Okay. Thank you for listening. Um, again, I would love your thoughts. I would love your feedback. Um, you can reach me and Ryan at craniacs at gmail.com. That's C-R-A-N-E-I-A-C-S. We are on Facebook, Craniacs, a Fraser podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Craniacs. We have a phone number. I never remember what it is, so I am not going to share that. Um, it is in our Facebook group, though, as a pin post at the top. Um, and we will be back in your feeds again soon um, with the next episode of Frasier. So I'm Laurel. I'm listening. Bye, y'all.